Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. And so last week we finished, uh, we went over the Olivet Discourse and we spoke about uh, heaven. We spoke about the, the prophecies, the second coming of Christ. Um, and, and now uh, Jesus is going to be in Bethany. And, and, and actually it's going to be uh, where Lazarus uh, was raised from the dead and with the two sisters, Mary and Martha. So he'll be with Mary of Bethany. And so we need to be very careful in this scripture that we don't try to make her Mary Magdalene. It doesn't tell us that she was Mary Magdalene. Well, I'll show you in scripture where we know it's Mary and Martha from Bethany. Uh, we're, at, we're also at Simon the leopard's house. And we'll be looking, probably bouncing back and forth between um, Matthew chapter 26 and John 12 as we dive into it. Those are the parallel verses uh, as we look at this. And so we're, we're at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. The, the cross is nearly here. And, um, and now when we look at this scripture, we're going to see that the chief priests and the scribes have come to arrest and kill him. They want, they're trying to set that up. Now, at the same time, you have the woman that wants to come and, and uh, worship and show adoration towards Jesus. And so uh, I'm sure a lot of us are very familiar with the song Alabaster Jar. Uh, it's one of the, uh, when I first came to know the Lord, that was one of the first songs that I worshipped that I was just like, wow. And I, and I understood it because we had went over the scripture in Luke, and, um, and it's just a reminder of the heart of worship. And so you have the church people, the religious leaders that are focused on the, the law and religion, very legalistic. And you probably have a few of these in your life. Very legalistic church people. And, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it can be hard. It's, it's very taxing. But then you have Mary, the worshiper, who's at the feet of Jesus. And, and being seen by others. It, at the end of the day, she risked everything to be seen by, by everyone and worship Jesus. And then you have Judas. Judas was the treasurer in charge of the money. And yet he gets upset when Mary breaks the jar, and we'll look at all of that. So that's one of these things that I love is that Mark, Mark usually covers it. It's like a sandwich. You got the religious leaders, and you got the meat, Mary, and then you have Judas, and it all comes together just like a sandwich. That's how Mark does it. Mark's very simple in his teaching. Uh, probably one of the easiest books to kind of go through. And if, if you're a man of action or someone who likes action, that's the book to start with is the book of Mark. But let's look at our first point and at the religious plot. It says, It was now two days before Passover in the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. 
So this is the first mention of the Passover in the book of Mark. And the feast of uh, Passover and the feast of unleavened bread were often considered by the Jews one festival. And so they, they actually happened for a full eight days. Uh, and, and it was usually done on uh, Nisan 14 and Nisan 21. And, and it was a feast. And, and one of the things we know through just reading Exodus, we know this in Exodus chapter 12. Uh, let's look at a couple of verses there in, in verse 6. It says, Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it uh, on two of the doorposts and on the, on the lintel of the house where they eat it. And uh, then they shall eat the flesh of the night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Now, what they're talking about is when uh, Pharaoh, the last plague, and, and they had the, the Passover lamb, and, and so they would, he's instructing them what to do, so when death comes, it'll pass over them. And, and he pick it up in verse 11, and it says, And thus shall you eat with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, shall you eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. And then go down to verse 12. It says, uh, let's pick it up actually, uh, verse 12. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast. So, you know, this is the plague itself. It's going to kill all the firstborn. Not unless you had the Passover. You did the blood, right? Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be the sign for you on the houses where you are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land so this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance so what he had happen here is we had the Passover uh, the festival of the Passover and the, uh, the Passover lamb and Jesus is the last lamb that was needed. So it, it's a representation of Jesus Christ. As we look at the Passover lamb, we look at the, the sacrifice that Jesus makes on the cross for us and when God sees you, he sees his son because you're covered by the blood of Christ. When you give your heart to Christ, you repent. You ask Christ into your heart, believe in the death and resurrection, you're sealed with the blood. And so when God sees you, he sees his son. And, 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 and it's amazing to think, because uh, you know, my brother-in-law is here, he knows how bad I was. I mean, we both were a train wreck, man. I mean, but God forgives, dude. It's like, it's amazing. You know, I think 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was a mess. But God forgives. God forgives all of that. I've been passed over. I'm going to heaven. Like, I don't deserve to go only because of Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus was the Lamb of God. And John's statement is referring back to the Old Testament. 
Uh, and, and honestly, what they would do is, is they would sacrifice. Every time they had a sin, they would sacrifice or they would have the sin offering that they would have to do for their sin. You can imagine, what, we don't have enough animals for that today with the amount of people we have. But it was just temporary. Because guess what? You were going to sin again. And so when you give your life to Christ, we had talked about this when we talked about freedom in Christ. Now, freedom in Christ doesn't mean that you just go and sin because you want to just go sin. Freedom in Christ means that you, your, your past, your present, your future sins have been forgiven. You're justified, just as if you didn't sin. But, but, we talked about that this weekend. So many people have been freed, but they live in the jail. They go back to the old stuff. And they put themselves back in bondage again. And that's what the devil wants. You ever wonder, I was telling, telling you on Wednesday night, you ever wonder why if you ever struggled with lust or pornography, why does Facebook keep putting stuff up on the ads that are, to me, pornographic? And I keep thinking, how, how, how does a kid get past this? That's what the devil uses because he knows how to get you. If you struggle with anger, oh, I told you, he'll give you every chance to be angry. He'll do all kinds of stuff. He'll throw people in front of you in traffic. <laughs> and start doing the one-finger salute. But see, the one thing about Jesus is that our, our sin has been paid. And, and we need to live as, as if our sin has been paid. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in Christ. And, and I, I wish more Christians, I, I think a lot of us, what we do is we, we go back to the old stuff. And you're trying to do the sacrificial. And it's like, you don't have to do that no more. Man, you messed up. Repent. God forgives you. Get back up. Get going again. Because guess what? Every person in this, in this building, every person's feet are made of clay. You are all going to fall. You're going to say something to somebody. You're going you're gonna to do something that you know you shouldn't have done. You need to get right with God. And I think if more Christians would actually be real about their walks, there's freedom in Christ. Be honest, man. Dude, I'm struggling with this. I've been struggling with this. I, I, I need help. You know, I just, I need prayer. I don't know what else to do at this point. But in that humility, that's where God works. When we have a contrite spirit, that's where God moves. It means we humbly come before him like, man... I'm broken. And that's where God moves. And so now we have the, the religious leaders. As we know, the Passover lamb is really a representation of Jesus. But there's a reason why this comes up. It's because they have to get everything done before the Passover. Everything has to be completed before the Passover. And so in the chief priest in verse 1, uh, says the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And here we have the religious men, the, the, the men of God, supposedly, willing to break the law and kill Jesus. In their robes, walking through town, men of God. The religious. 
And you probably all know religious people in your life. When you examine their life, their life doesn't add up. This is probably one of the worst testimonies for the church is the religious, the legalist. It's because we, we, we act one way in front of everybody, but then when we get behind closed doors, that's not how we are. And, and they're, they're supposed to be keeping the law, and yet they want to they arrest him, and they're going to do it by a sham court. It's not even true. And then they're going to kill him. And it says, For they did not, uh, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. Now, during Passover, there were close to a million, to two, sometimes up to two million people in the city. And these were all people there to worship at the temple. And the reason why this is a problem is because they've had uproars before. The chief priests worked with the Romans, and their job was to make sure there were no... I'm not going to use that word. I almost said it. I was going to say insurrection, but then that's, everybody's going to freak out. But they were trying to make sure that there was no, you know, and, and the reality is, is they've actually, Josephus actually wrote about this in history. There was a Roman guard that actually, I, I guess we would call it mooning back in the day. But the Roman guard did it frontward, and it enraged the crowd, and there was a riot at the temple. And so understand when they're talking about the reason this has to get done before Passover Passover was a powder keg they were always looking for someone a king to overthrow Rome so it's 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 like gasoline on a fire it is ready to go off in in any moment and so that's why it says they need to get it done beforehand the the other word they used there was stealth and that word actually in the Greek means deceit deceit And that's what they were trying to do. But I love this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 14. It says, but their minds were hardened. For this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Remember, they sat and watched miracle after miracle that Jesus did, and their hearts were hardened. And, and, and it's, this is why some people's minds are hardened. Because they just reject God. And we'll look at this as we look at Judas as well. In Mark chapter 3 verse 6 it says, The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against them how to destroy him. They have been trying to figure out how to destroy Jesus for a while now. And, and they haven't been able to figure it out. They want to find a way to arrest him and avoid the multitude. And they want to avoid killing him on the Passover. But they don't realize they're actually doing the work of Satan. This is what Satan wants. All this stuff has to happen before that. But this is all God's plan. God's in control. Satan thinks he's working things out here on the earth. And God's in control. Everything happens exactly the way that it was supposed to. It was ordained by God. Now we see the worship and anoints in our second point in verse 3. It says, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, 
very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now we know this was Mary. In John chapter 11, verse 2, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So we know this is Mary Bethany. Uh, this is the Mary that, that was with Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so in, in Luke chapter 10, it kind of goes over that story. In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, it says, and, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But one thing is necessary, Mary chosen, has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I kind of skipped down because Martha is losing it. We all know the story. Martha's over there working like crazy, being busy. And you can look busy doing religious stuff and have a, a hard heart, okay? Because Martha was a little, little bitter. She was a little bitter. Like Jesus, tell her to do something. But he tells her, you, you've chosen the good portion. And we're going to see that Mary of Bethany did choose a good portion because she's at the feet of Jesus again. Where we should be. See, we're so worried about trying to figure out how to, how to entertain the church. That's not our job. My job is to feed you. That's it. And to hopefully see you apply it in your marriages, in your families, in this community. I, 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 I will tell y'all this every day. I pray y'all choose the good portion. Doing things that are worship to God. Do what you've been called to do unto the Lord. And that, if that means God has called you to be a plumber, then you be the best plumber, godly plumber, honest, sowing into people, loving people. That's, your, that's what you do. Not everybody's meant to serve at the church. Because what happens is we start serving each other. Meaning we keep, oh, I want this ministry. Let's do that ministry. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it's like, you know, we have food bank distribution tomorrow. You get a chance to serve the poor. You get a chance to serve the needy. It's like, get outside the walls of the church. That's what I want. We have Cactus Fest coming up. We're going to be serving the kids' corner. We have the Winstrom. Winstrom. I'm always going to say it wrong. You do Calvary Divine thing. <laughs> you finally got that right, and I'm messing up. But we have the, the, uh, the ranch on October 8th. We'll have a booth there. with bar There's barbecue there. There's going to be food booths there, too, so just FYI if you're hungry. Um, I need y'all to come out. Y'all got to come out. But I want it to be, you know, at, at the end of the day, I want you to choose the good portion. You know what the good portion is? The good portion is for you to be a good husband. The good portion is for you to be a good mom. The good portion is for you to actually be a good grandmother, good grandfather. The good portion is for you to actually be a great employee. Those are the good portions. And you know where you learn that? By being at the feet of Jesus. You don't learn that by being busy all the time. And that's what we think. We've got to be busy, 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 busy. And it's like, when, when do you spend time actually getting to know the Lord? Something to think about, right? But he, she comes in, and I love this, because Mary actually pours it over his head. 
It reminded me of Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Mary comes in and, and, and anoints Jesus by pouring the, the flask over his head. And in John chapter 12, verse 3, it says that, that then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with his hair. And the house filled with the odor of the ointment. So there was a um, fragrance, a sweet fragrance that happened because of her worship and her adoration towards Christ. And, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's that aroma, that sweet aroma. Like I always tell you, what kind of aroma are you making to the Lord? You know? It's, it's like uh, what, uh, when we worship in adoration, when we do the things that we've been called to do, are you complaining? Because we're going to see what happens with complainers, because it happens. And, and you know, some people, I, I, I've heard teachings on this, and they spend more time talking about what type of oil it is. And, and it's like it's, it's an expensive oil from India. That's, that's probably the best way to, to know it. It's, it's, it's a year's wages. Imagine you giving up a year's wages to worship God. Right? There's something back there. If it comes running out, y'all yeah, run first and then I'll be right behind you. It sounds like a dog or something's back there or something. In verse 4 it says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why? I have to remind myself, we're, out, we're, in, we're in the city, but we're still out in the country. Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denaria and given to the poor. And they scolded her. So who got upset? Judas. But Judas, one, Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him, said, and this is in John chapter 12, verse 4, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said nothing because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what uh, was put into it. And so one of the things that we do know is, is very important that you understand this. When you read Matthew 26, verse 8, it says, But the disciples, with an S, with an S, were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? So it wasn't just Judas. So what happens is when you have a Judas complaining, you better be careful that you're not complaining with the Judas. Someone a sheep's and wolf's clothing. You need to be careful because they're in the church and you're over there complaining with them. That stood out to me so big. I was like, man, and complaining is contagious. Once one person starts, oh, it's, it goes, right? It goes. You do that at the VA, you'll be there for three hours. Those guys will go on for hours. They'll start talking about surgeries from the 70s. And it just goes, man. But you need to be careful that you're not agreeing with a Judas. In verse 6 it says, But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? 
She has done a beautiful thing to me. So Jesus corrects them. And this is a reminder to us as leaders, there's going to be times where I may need to correct you. And you need to, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I will try to do it in my most loving way that I can. But there are going to be times when we may not, we may have a disagreement on something. I'm going to say, hey, I, that's probably not the way we should have done that. And the next, next time you need to be a little more loving or show a little more grace. And you just need to be able to accept it. And, and you know, but here it's a reminder to us that leaders, part of leading is you have to actually lead. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? And I love that. She has done a beautiful thing to me. I mean, she, she actually wipes his feet, which honestly, in this time, any woman who let her hair down was considered promiscuous. And so to do that at Simon the Leopard's house, this group of people, right? To do that at, the, at Simon the Leopard's house, she was actually letting them know, I don't care what y'all think. I'm here to worship Jesus. And that's something that you need to remember too, is that there are going to be times when you do things for God and they're going to get clapped back from people. They're going to just be like, why are you doing that? Don't worry about that. Just keep doing what God's called you to do. I mean, when we did the football field event, we had people questioning that. Where was the fruit? And I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's like we, we stepped out to do what God has called us to do to worship. And Jesus protects her. And he's almost like telling her, hey, y'all need to consider your motive. Jesus is checking their hearts. Like, hey, you need to check your motives. Because see, the disciples, and this is where we do the same thing, we judge by appearance. Right? But Jesus judges by the heart, the motive. And she's done a beautiful thing for me. I love this because what we see is her adoration and her worship towards the Lord. It's an actual genuine act of worship. And Jesus welcomed and received it. So you do what God's called you to do. That's what you do. Don't worry about the people. They're, look, if you come up against resistance, you know you're going the right direction. That's, that's the reality of it. Verse 7 says, For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 9-11, through 11, it says, Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say the seventh year, the year of the release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all uh, that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open uh, wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. This is something that we need to remember. 
there will always be poor in this, in this world. Always. There'll never come a time when you don't get to step out and help. And if that's what God's called you to do, then you do it. Look, I can't, I don't have the funds to sit and help every person that's on the side of the road at, in, in San Antonio. None of us do. But if God's called you and, and said, look, you need, to, you need to go talk to that person. I've done it before. I go get them some water. I get them something to eat and talk with them. I've actually had people that, that, you know, just in a bad situation and in need, of, in need of Christ, and they just need somebody to love on them. But you need to remember this, that, that saying that Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. That's true. You will. That won't change. Until Jesus comes. And that all goes. And, and so it's a reminder to us that, that, and I love in Matthew 25, verses 35, it says, For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. It's an opportunity when we help those that are in need. This is why we spend what we do. This church actually donates to, um, i got to make sure I get the name right because they've changed the name, South Texas Ministerial, I knew I was going to mess it up, South Texas Ministerial Fellowship used to be the DMF. South Texas Ministerial Fellowship is actually something that was started by a group of pastors in this area for over 25 years. They started with the Divine Food Pantry because there was such a need for people that were, had such a food shortage. And the food bank didn't come out here. And so they, they started feeding people. Um, the other thing that they do is they actually help with Mission Divine. They actually go in at the first week of June every year. Uh, I think it's the first Monday, full week of June. Um, and they actually help repair elderly and poor, people who would not be able to fix things in their house. They put on roofs. When we had snowbid, they actually had trailers that lost all of their pipes. They actually went in and repiped everything and insulated it so if it happens again, it won't happen at all. But again, it's helping the poor. And then we have Third Street Closet, which is down here, and they, they actually help those that are of abuse. Because what happens is when the spouse or husband, boyfriend, girlfriend in some cases, get taken off of jail, if there's no money coming in, how are they supposed to eat? How are they supposed to take care of themselves? And, and so that's why we, as a church, we tithe to that. We're a part of that. Now, trust me, I would love to give the Mission Divine, Divine Food Pantry to each one of them individually, but we can't do all of them. So what we do is we give it to South Texas Ministerial Fellowship, and they, they help those ministries. And that's not even including the benevolent stuff that they do when people's power is getting shut off, and there's all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, the poor, we, we have opportunities to help. And so every time you put something in that tide box, You've got to understand that, that 10% goes out. We have missionaries and 
in uh, Irapuato, Mexico, Oscar and Liz Gallegos, and the Cabachencos, and then we tithe to South Texas Ministerial Fellowship. That's the reason why we do that. And they're, trust me, the, the people that are in Abkhazia, poor. The people that are in Irapuato, Mexico, poor. And everything that you are tithing is going towards that. And you're part of that blessing. You won't know that blessing while you're here. But when you get to heaven, you will. Because you're going to be like, what, where does that come from? And it was from, it was from you sowing into the ministries. The poor will always be here, but are we going to help them? And so if God puts it on your heart to, to stop and help somebody, look, like I said, we can't, every individual, we can't help in San Antonio. But there's always that one that the Holy Spirit puts on our heart to go talk to. And if God's giving you that to do, you do that. But if you're a female, don't do that by yourself. Okay? You need to have somebody with you. You know? Because every now and then things get a little shady. You know, I've had, had somebody jump up on me one time. And I'm like, all right, we good, bro. I'll see you later, you know? But we need to understand we should be looking for those opportunities to help. And that's why Jesus was saying, he's like, look, the poor you'll always have, but I'm, I'm fixing to leave. That's what he was trying to say. You, always, you won't always have me because I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And he says, she has done what she could. I love that phrase. She has done what she could. It reminded me of the, the, the widow that gave all that she had. She did all she could. She anointed my body uh, before, beforehand for burial. And that needed to be done. And so if you think about it, when we think about Mary here, Mary of Bethany, there's no monuments of Mary of Bethany, right? But there were monuments of Napoleon and Caesar, and those have all crumbled and fallen. But we're still talking about Mary. We're still talking about Mary of Bethany who... Who, who anointed the Lord with oil. In verse 9 it says, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, the whole world, uh, what she has done, will be told in, her, in memory of her. And we're still talking about it. And, and think about it. The Bible, billions of Bibles have been passed out. How many phones are there now? And the, most people have the Bible app on their phone. You have it in over 350 languages. And here we are on a Sunday talking about Mary of Bethany still. Isn't that crazy? Wouldn't you want that to be your testimony? Like you're not here, and they say, man, you remember? Because I, I would think that about Joe. His testimony, man, for the years I've known him, man, that dude don't, without, above reproach. Above reproach. But I, I, and I think about Louie. And how we still talk about Louis, Pastor Louis. And he would always tell me, one of the things he always say is, just a scotch. Because like he would tell me, Mike, keep the sound team honest. If we need to come down, we need to come down. We need to, because we're not here to worship ourselves, we're here to worship God. That was Louis. And at the end of the day, that's our, 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 our hope is that we would have a testimony for our kids and our grandkids. That they would know you and go, man, my grandfather was like my dad. 
Like the first half of his life. Woo. Second half, man, it's been such a change because he came to know God. So it, it, it's, it's just amazing because my grand, his grandkids don't know him in that capacity. They just know this sweet old man. And I'm like, that's not my dad, man. I remember my dad. See, that's what I was saying. You can remember the old stuff that we used to do. But, I mean, that's my father. That's how they remember him. He was, he's been a great testimony to them. And he'll continue to be as he, as, you know, as he goes home to be with the Lord one day. And my dad's probably listening going, what are you doing, man? You're trying to send me home today. <laughs> and we'll look at the last point here. The betrayer seeks money in verses 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, Judas is mentioned some 20 times in the gospel, but only two occasions did Judas speak. Um, and, and more important, what we get from John chapter 6 is we talked about him being, what was he called, a thief, Right? And that little Judas Iscariot, Iscariot is actually the small town that he's from. And, and Judas was the only one that didn't come from the same region as the other 11. So he was kind of an outsider in a way. But he always had the decision of not choosing to be Judas. Now, a lot of people will confuse at this point, well, he was walking with Jesus. He wasn't born again yet because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Right? Why did, why did he betray Jesus? The heart. He had the wrong heart. He, he saw Jesus as, as, as most of them did, the zealots as well. They saw Jesus as taking over Rome. Like Jesus is going to overthrow Rome. And then I'm going to be in power and I'll have money and influence because I was one of the ones who rolled with Jesus. In Psalm 41, verse 9, it says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who I ate my bread, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Prophecy being fulfilled as Judas portrays Jesus. John 13, 18 says this, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. He goes to the chief priest. But you know what's really crazy is when you read Luke chapter 22 and verse 3, it says, Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, who was the number of the twelve. Maybe in this moment, I don't know, you know, as, as he sees a year's wages being poured out, what a waste of money. This is not the leader that I thought he was. What I could have done with that money. He was already stealing, right? Skimming from the top. But Satan enters Judas because Judas is what? Not born again. Satan can't enter someone who's a believer. But he can enter Judas Iscariot. And we know that they, he goes to the chief priest in order to betray him. 
But I, I love what it says here in verse 11. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And then in Matthew chapter 26, verse 15, it says, And it said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? You're going to pay me. If I do this, I'm going to get paid. How come they didn't approach? They never approached any of the disciples before this. The scribes, the, the, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrins, they could have approached any of the disciples and tried to bribe them, but they, they didn't. They waited for Judas. Judas came to them. And then he asked for money. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. Very important piece of, of, of information there. Because the chief scribes and the Pharisees would keep 30 pieces of silver on their side during Passover so they could pay for their Passover lamb, which was 30 pieces of silver. You can't make, like, when people tell me the Bible is, like, really? Like, I couldn't come up with this on my best day, man. You know, it's like this stuff is the prophecies that are being fulfilled, the stuff that's happening, like, the, man, that God is in the details, dude. I love that. I absolutely love that. But Judas thought that Jesus was the Messiah. And he saw the miracles, saw the power, and eventually he chose Satan to follow. He chose the prince of this world. And that's what greed gets you. Start chasing the money. Start chasing the things of this world. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of the... Uh, Pride of the eyes, it's, it's, it'll get you every time. He wanted the power and he wanted the money. And this was not the Jesus that he thought he was getting. He thought he was getting the kingdom, the one who was going to overthrow Rome. But why did he stay with Jesus all that time? Right, he hung out with him. Maybe he was looking, thinking this was the way that he was going to be rich. But did you catch that little piece of Scripture there? And when they heard it, they were glad. You know, that, that word that's used there for glad means that they had an inward feeling of joy, like we finally got Jesus. We got him. And these are the religious leaders. They're going to go against the law and kill him. And kill him. And what's sad is when you read the scriptures or you read about the, the, the writings of the rabbis during this time, there was something in there about the Messiah coming, and they completely ignored it. And they promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's, again, it's that, that pro, uh, and a prophecy being fulfilled in Zechariah 11.13. It says, and, uh, Then the Lord said to me, uh, Throw it to the potter, the Lord, lordly price at which I priced by them, so that I take the thirty pieces of silver and throw, uh, threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Zechariah, actually, they're talking about the, the Judas eventually gives the money back to the chief priest and the scribes, right? He throws the 30 pieces of silver, and they say, hey, we can't keep this. And so what do they do? They go buy a potter's field. For how much? 30 pieces of silver. 
Come on, man. Y'all can't say the Bible's not real. Y'all, man, y'all better, y'all, y'all got to realize, man, that the Bible is not playing around. It's, it's, I love this. Right? And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And so what we see when we look at Mary and Judas, you have Mary, a woman of, of really had no real standing. You had Judas, who was actually an apostle. Right? Mary, who gave what she could to Jesus, a whole year's wages. Jesus took what he could whenever he could. Mary blessed her Lord and Judas betrayed the Lord. Mary loved her Lord and Judas used the Lord. Mary did a beautiful thing and Judas did a terrible one. Mary worshiped and served her Savior. And Judas sold him like he was a slave. One's memorialized forever for her devotion and worship and adoration towards God. The other is memorialized for his betrayal. The question you have to ask yourself, like, are you hanging out with a Judas? (laughs) You know what I mean? They act godly. Because look, let me tell you, there's people that come to church. And they do the church thing, but then they're at the bar all week. And you're right there with them because he's a Judas. And you're like, well, if he can be at the bar, I'm going to go to the bar. You've got to be careful who you're hanging out with. Because they'll draw you from the church. Or they'll make you think, hey, man, you could do all that stuff. We're forgiven, man. It's like... Yeah, you are, but, man, you understand the cost of the sin. You don't want to do it anymore. Three different groups. The religious, the legalistic leaders. Mary, who worshiped with adoration towards her Lord, and then Judas, who eventually betrayed Christ. And, and today is Communion Sunday, so Sarah, you can go ahead and come on up. And communion is for believers, and so um, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, it says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the, the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so if you're at home uh, watching online uh, or you catch this later on, the reality of it is it's like we all need Jesus. We're all sinners. We all needed a Savior. And, and, and the key to that is just admitting that, that we're a sinner, uh, that we need forgiveness, that we would turn from our sin, that we would believe in Christ and uh, believe that Christ died on the cross and was resurrected and we've asked Christ into our heart to be the Lord of our life and um, none of us can keep the law even these men that were trying to betray Jesus arrest him they couldn't keep the law it's evident in their actions right in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 it says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I always tell people it's the easiest way to remember that each one of us will have eternity. It's what destination are you going to go to? Heaven or hell? We all have eternity. It'll be spent either eternally in hell or eternally in heaven with the Lord. But it says in Romans chapter 9, verse 10, that, uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes unto the righteousness, and with the mouth confesses it is made unto salvation. Remember, Mary was a portrayal of us. She was filled with seven demons, and Jesus saved her. Her outward appearance, most people would have said, I can't get down with that. I'm not going to go talk to that person. Not Jesus. So, if you're with eyes closed, if y'all want to just pray this prayer after me, and if you're watching this online, you can pray this prayer after me. And if you're catching this later on the podcast, just pray this prayer after me if you want to receive Christ. There's nothing magical in the prayer. It's just you admitting that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. And just pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And help me walk this walk with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.